The Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, oh, some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated, but I invite the kids Kids, they come up at this time. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, thanks for being here. The, um, I've been going back and forth for a couple things. One is... When you guys, so some of you were in Vacation Bible School, and there were like different stages, and you did different artwork, right? You remember? And different crafts. And each of you had different skills, right? Some of you are really good at this craft, or some of you are good at this, or the drawing, or you made those, what are those called? Aprons, you made those and you draw that. And I was looking at those and I was like, whoa, that's like really good. Some of you are good in sports, right? Some of you are good in music. Yep. Some of you are good in reading or? Um, I have been learning how to read. You've been learning? Okay, and so good job. Yeah, nice, nice, yeah. So, so, and some of us are good at things and some of us aren't as good at things. You know, I was really pretty good at tennis. I was like a good tennis player when I was younger. And, um, but I wasn't good at football. <laughs> that wasn't my favorite thing. Plus, I didn't want to get hurt. <laughs> and the net always had, you know, you had that. You could still get a ball in your face or something, but that wasn't so bad. Um, Yes. Are you good at football? Okay, yeah, that wasn't my favorite one. Um, but what's, what's, what's interesting is, is our text says, there are many members, but one body. And so we are the body of Christ together, but we all have our different gifts. Some of us are good at one thing, some of us are good at another. And then on another note, when Jesus is talking to Simon, who eventually says and changes his name, I don't know if you noticed that when I was reading that, he said, you will be Peter. And now his name was Simon, and now he's called Peter, but Peter has a root word. Anybody know what that root word is? You do? No. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> 
it's rock. So Petros, when we get petroleum, petroleum comes out of the rock. Petrified rock, have you ever heard of petrified rocks? No. Oh, okay, well, it's like a tree. You can have a, a piece of tree that looks like a tree still, but it's turned into a rock. Over time, it becomes petrified. And rock, or, or you could say rockified. <laughs> rockified. <laughs> That's like maybe there's going to be a song eventually about being rockified. <laughs> but, but Peter is then said the rock. You are the rock. Now, now is he the rock? Because we also say Jesus is the rock. So why is he saying Peter is the rock? I think it's because of the faith that he has and the faith that he has in the rock, Jesus, that he has that. And so that's the gift. Um, and then that's the gift of the church. I will build the church, and that's what we are a part of, being a part of that church where Jesus established it and said, I want to have this church, and I want you to share my love to all the world. Well, thanks for being up here, you guys. Good to see you guys. All right. Well, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. So we talked about different gifts, but now I'm going to talk about, have you heard of the football, the baseball, and the basketball, or the basketball drafts? Anybody heard of those? Anybody watch them? <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's, and you know what that is, where they're picking the different players that they want. Well, how many of you have heard that there's actually a pastor draft as well? So there is. Just as us pastors are winding down our seminary schooling, which is four years after college, we receive a Master's of Divinity degree. But what also happens is there's a gathering of bishops. And they have some sort of order where they go around from one bishop to the next and they pick the pastors that will fit best in their synod or on their team, in a sense. I was picked by Pastor Arthur Rimmeride um, in the Northwest Minnesota Synod. And when you're picked, that is also usually the place where you will receive your first call, which I did in Nilsville, Minnesota. Um, north of Fargo-Moorhead, um, east of Grand Forks. And I remained a pastor in that synod until um, you good folks here at Good Shepherd called me as your pastor. And now I'm a part of the lacrosse area synod or the lacrosse area team, <laughs> synod team, you could say. Um, the reason I'm letting you know all this is because when I was drafted to be on the Northwest Minnesota Synod team, or Synod, I, as do all pastors, meet with the bishop, the, the bishop of that synod, uh, that 
team coach, you could say. He wanted to know um, where I would be a good fit in the synod. And he asked me, and I remember it was like one of the first questions he asked, so who do you say Jesus is? Now I had gone to seminary these four years and I'd spent a lot of time reading the Bible, trying to understand the Bible in our time and place as well as in Jesus' time and place, doing historical critical analysis of the scriptures as well as reading them devotionally. But I don't ever remember being asked, who is Jesus to you? I think I used Peter's answer when Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? Eleven of them stayed silent, notice, and then Peter said, you are the, the Messiah, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I think I said that, and Bishop Rimmeride let me get away with using Peter's answer instead of one that was uniquely my own. I read, though, the other day about a pastor who had just started as a pastor and went to the text study that Pastor John talked about last week. It wasn't that particular text study. It was one in another state that was taking place. But he said, it was this, it was this group of pastors. We get together and we share our ideas and come reading for the next Sunday. And this particular pastor writes about this one time in text study. We were a relatively new group, a little nervous, a little excited, and this was our text for the morning, Jesus asking the disciples, who do you say that I am? And so we started out with a little bit of polite conversation and a little bit of wondering together, and then the senior pastor of the larger church in the area burst in with his big floppy Bible, stood over us with a smirk and his face and said, so who do you say Jesus is? And I don't want any wimpy answers. I want them to be authentic and real. Someone said, Jesus is the Christ. That's not authentic, he comes back, the response. That's what Peter said. Who do you say that Jesus is? And as I read this, I remember back to the time when I was asked the same question by Bishop Rimmeride, and I used a pretty standard answer as well. And thankfully, Bishop Rimmeride was accepting of my answer. I still think about that question to say Jesus is my everything. I could have said that. Well, what does that mean? What do you mean by that? He is my hope and salvation. He is the rock. He is the nourishment in life. He is the one who I pray to, the one who gives me focus. But what does all that mean? is a legitimate question. And I think it's a helpful question to get us thinking about what does it mean to be a Christian, or we could say a Jesusian, a follower of Jesus in our context. Not in Peter's context, but in our context, in our time and place, with our modern technological world with our political structure, with our industry and schooling systems, with our dreams and wishes, what does it mean to be a Christian in our time and place? In our gospel reading today, it's comforting to me that when Jesus asked the question to the 12 disciples, 11 of them remained silent, and yet were still counted as disciples. There is room among the followers of Jesus for those who don't have it all figured out. In
could get context could be peasant why are you on this path and not on another if you have attended the Lenten worship uh, Wednesday worship services over the years you've gotten to hear different members of this church in a sense struggle with that particular question who am I in relation to Jesus but the question also asks us to answer it in our context. Who am I in our context in relation to Jesus? I who serve in the military, or I who run a business, or I who have struggled with mental health, or I who am in school, or I who am a teacher, or I who have experienced the death of my dog, or a child, or a mother, or a father, or I who have grown up and have always lived in the lacrosse area for a while and then attended church, then didn't, but now do again. Who is Jesus to me, you, and me? Reading is begins this way. The district of Caesarea Philippi asked his disciples might simply hear this as a meaningless introduction and skip over it. But I think it's crucial to this passage. Now when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, now Caesarea Philippi, it is an area named after the Caesar, meaning the Roman emperor. And Philip, King Herod's brother, is ruler of the area. So Jesus has just taken his disciples in a place that reeks of Roman authority, Roman empire, of ruthless authoritarian power and oppression that is slowly crushing the Jewish people. No democracy in this empire. And in addition, the Roman Empire, Caesar, was sometimes referred to as the living son of God. Now standing in that place, son of God asks, who do you say that I am? It's like Jesus taking us to the state capitol or to Congress and asking, who do you say that I am? Whose kingdom are you building? The kingdom of this country or the kingdom of God? And so I have to believe that Peter, before he answered, looked around at his context and then said, you, O oh Jesus, are the Messiah, the son of the living God. You are the ruler, the power in my life not Rome or anything else. What I learned from this is that our answer to who we say that Jesus is will always have a context. It will always have a backdrop. It will be informed by the context of our life. After Peter gave his famous answer, Jesus said, blessed are you and know that you didn't come up with that answer on your own but God gave it to you. But next week, we'll also learn that just because Peter is bold and God is helping him get the right answers, 
Jesus rebuke him when he says, get behind me, Satan, you are not on the side of God. There's certainly more to say about this, but know this. We will have our ups and downs in faith. But Jesus, even in his rebuke, expressed a love to Peter that helped him to know that this is the community that he wants to be a part of. One that focuses on the divine, not just the human things. May we also sense that divine, that divine love, and share that love in all that we do. Amen.